0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, I have come to set the earth on fire, and how I wish it were already blazing. There is a baptism with which I must be baptized, and how great is my anguish until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to establish peace on the earth? So we know that scripture is inerrant, it is without error, because it is God's word being spoken to us. He uses human authors to write down what was needed to be said. And so we hear this, we're thinking, this is quite problematic. This is not the God I am familiar with. This is not the God I'm used to. What's up with all this division? What's up with all this separation? What's up with all this fire and burning, blah, 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 blah. Well, let's just remember that Jesus also says some other things. So, every kingdom divided against itself will be laid waste, and no town or house divided against itself will stand. Matthew chapter 12, verse 25. I pray, Father, that they may be one as we are one. John's gospel. So how do we reconcile these differences? If Jesus says, well, I want there to be Uh, continuity, I want there to be uh, oneness, but there's also going to be division. Note, he's not actually the one, well, kind of, creating the division. And it goes back to the first line of the gospel. He says, how I long for the earth to be on fire. Now, when we think of fire, maybe we think of it as a very destructive thing. We think of it as something that uh, wrecks havoc in uh, you know different parts of the world, like forest fires and and things like that. But think about what else fire does. Fire purifies; it makes pure those things that were were not fully complete. We hear a lot in Scripture about silver being tried by fire and made more pure. We hear about our own lives being tried by fire, made perfected in the the image of the Lord. And just real quick, because uh, I love crowd participation, and hopefully you're getting used to it. So want a little feedback, so it can just be a simple show of hands. How many would like to eat a raw egg? How many would like to eat a cooked egg? How many would like to eat uh, flour by itself? Super weird, I know. Who would like to eat, like, a fresh loaf of bread? Okay, last one. Who would like to eat uh, raw fish? Sweet. Who wants to eat cooked fish? All right, we're going to get sushi later. I, that last one didn't really matter, I just want to know who to get sushi with, so. But the idea is like, okay, can an egg ever go back to being a yolk once it's cooked? No, I've never ever seen that, and if you know some weird magic science, tell me, I'd be fascinated to know this. Just like a, a loaf of bread can never go back to its flour. So fire also transforms. It actually makes things better in the end. So when Jesus talks about this fire today, he's talking about the idea that we in our own lives, in our nation, in our world, need to be transformed, that this fire is actually a good thing. John the Baptist talks about this when he talks about Jesus' baptism. He says, he will baptize with Holy Spirit and fire. And then when we get to uh, the section of Pentecost, uh, same thing, we ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill us with the fire of your love. And so fire can be good, but with anything, fire needs to be respected. It needs to be tamed, and it needs to be um, utilized well, kind of directed. So this fire that the Lord wants to set the world on is not meant to be destructive, but it will bring about tension. It will bring about division. We will see uh, households against one another, people against one another, because that fire should invoke in us a change. A change of life, a change of desires. And if we lived a life a certain way for a certain period of time that can be really hard to break out of those habits. But that fire also exists in our heart and in our belly and it it brings about change and you think about uh, situations or, or opportunities that that fire can come up. One, I believe to be in the presence of the Eucharist in adoration. For people to go and, like, place themselves before the Lord, just humbly to to look at him as he looks at us and say, Lord, I give myself to you right now. Do whatever you will. That's a bold statement. It's a really bold uh, ask. um, Because he'll do something with it. But it's going to require change in us. St. Bernard, um, you know, he, he... As a doctor of the church uh, wrote uh, many books. One in particular was um, on love, like on the love of God, and the first line of the first chapter, the first section, the question is posed, um, why should we love God and how much should we love God? And his answer is, we love God because he is God, and we love him to the amount that it is immeasurable And so he's like, if that doesn't make sense, I'll go on. He goes on for like three more pages explaining it. But I love God because God is love and God is who he is. He he warrants that love. And I love him how much I can't even measure it because I'm supposed to love him forever. Now, this can also be really challenging when we struggle with relationship with God, when we struggle with um, the idea of who God can or should be, again, when we hear kind of things that can be contradictory, like, well, you want, you want love and unity, but you also talk about division. Like, God, what do you want in the end? What he wants is our free will to be directed back to him, um, to, to be in accordance with him. He doesn't want us to love him like a robot. That doesn't make any sense. There's no freedom there. But the other things that can really cause struggle and difficulty and tension and division um, with loving God for the sake of God and and to the amount that's just immeasurable um, I think comes down to the reality of sin. We hear that in the first two readings, like the need to be in opposition to sin, to oppose sin, to the point of bloodshed even. To oppose sin To the point of bloodshed. Jesus demonstrates that to us on the cross. He dies for us, for our salvation, because of sin. But we also think of how sin can just harden our hearts, how it can uh, cause us to go off of the the path that is directing us towards the Lord. And so we have to see what is going to help reconcile my sinfulness The answer is confession. Confession is the great remedy, it's the great medicine, it's the great resolve to turn ourselves back to the Lord. And I'll tell you, I love confession. Not as the one who necessarily hears confessions, but as one who goes to confession. My very first confession I remember uh, it happened after I was baptized. So the nice thing when you get baptized as an adult, all your sins get washed away as a youth. It's really like awesome and freeing. So it's like, what did I do? I don't remember. But my first confession was terrifying. I had, I was working for a, a Catholic Church in Fort Wayne and it's probably been like three, four, five months since my baptism. So it was, it was time to go. It was overdue for me to go to confession. And I was like, there's no way, there's no way I'm ever going to the priest of the parish I worked for. Like, nope, nope, nope. And I didn't the first time. I didn't. I actually was on a retreat at a conference somewhere else, and I went up to this priest who was a Franciscan. I said, hey, um, this is my first confession. He's like, wait, what? I said, yeah, I know, I'm I'm different. (laughs) But I was like, this is my first confession, and I'm just terrified. He's like, it's fine, I'll walk you through it. And he did. He did a really beautiful job. I don't remember anything about what I confessed. Or I don't remember anything he, he told me. What I do remember is he gave me this little prayer card uh, for my penance. And he said, uh, say this prayer for your penance. And then I just remember the, the final part of the, uh, the words of absolution. I absolve you from your sins. I was just like, whoa, like that wasn't so bad. That's that kind of easy. It's terrifying, but easy. And so, uh, you know, I, I started making confession somewhat more regular, maybe like every like five months or so. Um, and I remember the, another time I went to confession, this is just before I was entering the seminary. And I'm not sure about the rest of you, but like I have particular sins that plague me. I'm sure we all do. And I went to the priest and I sat down. And I said, Father, I am so aggravated. Because it seems like I come back here time and again with the same sins. I'm just so sick and tired of it. Like, I wish they would just stop. And this dude's like 80 years old. He leans in, grabs my hands, looks at me and says, Do you want new sins every time? (laughs) I thought, no, 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 no. I do not. I no. I'm trying to figure these out. I don't need new ones. Um... I'll, I'll stick with these. <laughs> and it was just the reminder of like, okay, like, yes, we're going to have particular things that plague us, but we don't always have to fall into that sin. It doesn't have to be the rest of our life, like, all oh, I'm resolved. This is my sin forever. No, it's, it doesn't have to be. But we shouldn't also be aggravated or ashamed or embarrassed like, ah, I was just here. Fine. You went back. That's good. You know how many people don't go back because of shame and embarrassment? Too many. So then once I entered the seminary, we all had to have spiritual directors help us like through our prayer life and everything, and I was probably going to confession like every three weeks, and I found like, how much more freedom I was acquiring, just the fact that sins that had been kind of a plague for me um, were less or non-existent now. And then even after being ordained as a priest, um, I try to go to confession like once a week, and the main reason is the devil hates me. I know that, I'm confident in that. Like, he says, you're, you're like the, the opposite of him. Like, I'm the opposite of the devil because I'm meant to be God's light and joy and peace and all these things. And so he's going to do every single thing possible to destroy me. I get that. Which means I need God's help infinitely to do what I do. Now, for everyone else out there, maybe you go weekly to confession. That's fine. Maybe you go every couple of weeks. Maybe you go once a month, every couple of months you have to know yourself. You have to know, like, what are the sins that plague me? Are there mortal sins? If there are, I need to go as soon as humanly possible because I shouldn't, like, have those, like, affecting my soul. But whatever routine you have has to be something that aids your call to life, uh, as spouses, as parents, as children, as whatever. And so you identify, like, maybe this is, like, my routine, my pattern. At the same time, confession, I know, can be scary, and this is being the one who has, again, gone to confession, but also hears confessions. People come in, they think, oh, it's, it's been so many years, you're just gonna, you're gonna judge me, and I'm like, no, no, I'm not. Like, the thing about confession that's so beautiful is it is an encounter with Jesus. How many of us have ever in our prayer been like, I just want to hear God's voice? Anyone? Anyone? Like, Well, guess what? When you go to confession and you're speaking to the priest who's in the person of Jesus, you do, we pray. We pray that you do. But like, that's an encounter with God, like, in God, what is he, like, how many times does he say, Oh, I, I hate those sinners. They're so bad. We ever heard that in scripture? No, we haven't. We've actually heard about how he leaves the 99 to go find the one that's lost. Now, if you want me to, I'll go out in the street and start grabbing you and bringing you into confession if that's helpful. But just know, like, you're always welcome. And if you don't know where the confessionals are, they're, they're, right, they're right there. They're, they're in the corner. But confession is a place of freedom. It's a place of mercy. It's a place of love. And, and whether it's a person who's been away for 10 years and they come back, I'm like, yes, let's go. Or it's been a week, I'm like, thanks be to God you're here. I know the other fear can sometimes just be, again, like, oh, that priest is going to remember my sins. He's going and to... And this is not to put you on. This is not uh, anything. Like, I really don't. One, I don't want to. I got my own stuff to deal with. But two, there's just, there's just too many. There's too much. And the Lord, it's between you and him. And so people are like, oh, I just, I just talked to God on my own free time. I don't need to go to confession. Actually, no, we need encounters. That's why we have sacraments. It's just like... We come to Mass to receive the Eucharist. Sacraments are tangible ways to encounter the intangible God. I also get that people are like, oh, like, you know, this guy's new, I don't know, like, try it out. If you're like, you don't like it, go to another priest, that's fine. It's not going to hurt my feelings. But the joy of priesthood is being able to see people who are weighed down by sin um, have all that lifted off of them and brought back to a place of grace. It, it is my life source, uh, to bring people back to the Lord, and, and that's the way we do that. Sometimes people think too, we talk so much about confession, that it's like we get like a commission or something based off the amount of people that go to confession. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> that doesn't happen. I, I will tell you this though, the best confessions, the best times for confessions for me are when I've sat in a confessional for three or four hours straight, no break, and just person after person after person. People said, are you tired afterwards? I'm like, eh, it's okay. I'm not that tired. The worst times of confession are when I sit there for an hour and like one person comes because it's like you get all ready and then nothing. It's just like, ugh. Some people think, oh, he's, he's too busy. There's too many people. No, actually, that that actually is contradictory, and that's Probably the devil lying again, trying to to make us not come back to to the Lord. And so whatever the fears, whatever the uncertainties, whatever the the things are about confession, I I just want to leave us with this point. Confession is what leads us back to our hearts being transformed on fire. Because the devil and sin tries to tamp out fire in our hearts. Tries to tamp out this fire so that we don't bring about the change in the world that we need to see. And even the change that we need to be a part of. The the last thing is this: if if the times that we have do not work, please tell me. We've added in the additional times on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays before the 5:30 Mass. We have them on Saturday before before Mass. But if you're like, you know, Father, like I work second shift, I work third shift, like I need a morning time, I want to know that. Because the more confession can be available, the more opportunity we have to have hearts transformed for the Lord. And I've even thought about this. Uh, Maybe there's just a a total, like, I can't ever go to this guy. He looks too much like my kid. I I don't know if I can handle it. (laughs) I get it. I respect it. So my thought has been, like, every so often, like, having other priests come and flip and, like, come here. I don't know if that's going to work out or not. I got to talk to those guys. But, But I get that. Like, ultimately, in the end, I did go to my pastor of the parish I worked at, for regular confession because what I found was he knew me and didn't hold any punches back he called me out for my crap but because he loved me he he put me back on the right path even now I have a regular confessor I go to um, but if you this is the final 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 point I promise if you think it's hard to go to a priest yourself imagine a priest going to confession to his brothers I know what the sins are I teach how to avoid the sins, and I still have to go because I'm a fallen person. But in the sacrament of penance and reconciliation, you don't just encounter Jay, you encounter Jesus. That's the crazy thing about a Catholic faith is that I'm not just talking to a human, I'm talking to Jesus. It's the reality of the ordained priesthood. Confession does not and is not meant to be like a counseling session. So some people come in, they're like, ah, I have all this stuff to talk about, and I am certain that is good and important, and I would love to sit down and talk with you about it outside of confession. Confession, like, can we come in, we state the sin, we get out because it's being bold, being brief, and being gone. (laughs) So if there's any of that remaining fear, uncertainty, or, like, question, like, I don't know, like, we have to surrender that back to the Lord so that our hearts can be transformed on fire. That's the end goal. Sin, sin is something that is destroyed by Jesus. It's forgotten. It's something we move on from. We always want to be directed back towards the one who sets the world on fire, because that's where, yes, the difficulties will come up. That's where we're going to say, I'm actually turning away from this thing. And people are going to look at me like, well, why? We used to go out and party all the time. like." That's not what's good for my heart, or my soul, or my salvation. So we turn to the Lord in confidence and in love and in hope that He is ready and excited to receive us, uh, to forgive us our sins, so that our hearts can be transformed and set on fire for the world.